0: Smokes above all the good old days You don't have to explore
1: All right, guys, welcome back to the Rage Rally Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki T, and I'm here this week with Mr. Tim Montana.
0: Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, <laughs> this is Walter Cronkite.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Tim, thanks so much for having me over here, man. We're in the uh, dude, this is a pretty badass garage.
0: Yeah, yeah, we do our rehearsing in here and then. We have two different backdrops, so I can do my outdoor stuff over there for yeah. Velocity Outdoors, and then me, actually Billy Gibbons commissioned this rap because we were filming hot sauce content for our Whisker Bomb hot sauce, Yeah. so uh, he's actually coming over tomorrow, and we're going to film some more photographs and oh, stuff yeah. inside of this with this backdrop, so it looks like two different worlds on each side, and then songwriting, everything from Hell Raisin, we've done wrestling in here, we've had midget knife fights, <laughs> <the> strippers, <laughs> you name it, bud. A
1: little bit of everything. <clears throat> But man, it's uh, this is like, I'm, I've seen, of course, stuff on social media, but this is like what I envisioned when I was going to be coming here. I was yeah. like, uh, when they were like, Do you want to come over to Tim's place? I was like, Fuck yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> you have to sign an NDA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not going to talk about or video anything that we see here today. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, it's been, uh, we've been fans of years for a long time. I would say that thank you like as I've learned about you is through one of our mutual buddies uh, Ryan that was a writer for us for a while Mm -hmm. Um, when you know Redneck Rich or Hillbilly Rich came out and like just uh, all of that buzz that started then I know you've been grinding a long time before that yeah in terms of music why don't we start out with you know coming from Montana and your background there and you know what led you to country music from there
0: Yeah, I grew up a pretty unique childhood. I didn't think it was unique at the time, but I was off the grid from the time I was about five till I was 17. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, were you guys going green? Was it like hippie thing? And I'm like, no, I was a little kid of the Montana militia. So I grew up around a lot of crazy shit. And uh, we went, you know, no electricity, lanterns, candles. So about five years old, I got a guitar. I would sing into a spoon before that. We had a gun shop just north of Calispo, Montana um, when I was probably four And I found a Guns N' Roses tape. It had Mr. Brownstone on one side, Welcome to the Jungle on the other. Uh, And then I found a Marlboro Country tape that my mom smoked a lot of cigarettes to get. (laughs) And uh, I think that had Ronnie Millsap, Charlie Daniels. I'm still trying to figure out what edition of Marlboro Country. Because they put out a tape if if you bought a carton or if you smoked X amount. And to this day, I'm like, man, I think I'm somewhere between those pegs of Guns and Roses and Marlboro Country. Yeah. <laughs> you know, rock. And, it's funny, like the first things that hit your ears, you know, this many years later, still I find myself, you know, kind of swinging on, you know, between those trees. But uh, yeah, so I grew up there, played guitar, started writing songs, getting into, you know, I listened to Charlie Daniels a lot, Chris LeDoux. never was like a big mainstream country guy until um, probably I was sophomore in high school. And you know Alan Jackson. Um I remember that. Uh, what was it? His big song, the uh, about the boat. Chatta No, 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 no. I'm not that old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I, was like I just yeah. said Alan Jackson. I'm dating myself. Let's just say later Alan Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I'm older than you, so you don't have to worry. Yeah. <laughs> what was that transom was rotten? Yeah. Yeah. It was just an old plywood boat or whatever the hell that was. Like, and everyone's gonna be like, Yeah, we know that song, bro. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so started listening to kind of country radio then and. And then got accepted to music school in Hollywood and was like, I'm going to Hollywood and I'm going to hide this country shit and I'm going to be a rock star. And so yeah. I go, went down there, didn't know a soul. And I got to say, like, I've done that a couple of times in my life where I moved somewhere by myself without knowing another human. Yeah. And it's a rush, man. It is like I can't find a drug that feels like getting dropped off in a city with a backpack and a guitar. You know, there ain't one out there that feels like that. Um, I'm still looking. If you guys have any ideas, feel free to slide in my DMs. <laughs> 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 but showed up in Hollywood and everybody started calling me Montana and I was had a band. I think it was like alive and well was my band. And you know, I had a yellow flaming, uh, squire guitar and would drop D and <laughs> man, go to metal shows. And then one day Johnny Highland showed up legally blind guitar player from Nashville, Tennessee. And my brother's legally blind as well. So I was like, I want to, you know, I grew up around a blind guy. I want to go see what this guy's all about. And, Went and saw him and was like, oh, my God, he can do what Eddie Van Halen does with no pedals. Like, yeah. it's just clean. And he's just, you know, I, I 100% believe that blind people and deaf people get an extra sense. You know, if, yeah. you, if you're born without one, you gain another one. And Johnny's is very clear to see, like, that's not normal guitar play. <laughs> that's not <laughs> something you learn. That's something you're born with. But he, I asked him where he lived, and he said Nashville. And uh so I packed up and moved to Nashville. Oh yeah. And when I got here I'd just gotten a DUI in California. I was twenty one years old, twenty years old, it was really dumb, bad idea. And uh Got here, didn't have a driver's license because they took it away, revoked it for a year. And uh, so I got a job frying chickens at Harris Teeter and would have to walk and, again, didn't know a soul. Right. quite a high. I don't recommend doing it without a license after a DUI. That yeah. rhymed. <laughs> but, yeah, I worked at Harris Teeter and would walk back and forth uh, by Belmont all the time. And, yeah, that's how I got to Nashville.
1: Yeah, I think if you're if talking about, like, your style of music, in my head, it's like, it's like Redneck Anthems. Like, yeah. almost all of your songs are, like anthem driven like something you'd play out at a bonfire when you're getting rowdy with your boys you know yeah what i mean you, you have some other stuff in there too but i would say like the majority of the songs that i crank the loudest are those songs yeah you know? yeah and i think there's a big market for that right guys like and it and like you said you're you're a mix of that like kind of like grunge rock maybe mm-hmm. even like a little bit of arena rock mixed in there mm-hmm. with it and then country lyrics and country shit that you do you mm-hmm. know what i mean i think that's a really good mix um I never grew up without lights, but my family was, you know, in a trailer before they moved Hell to Hell yeah. Trailer bros. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I wasn't in the trailer myself, but my parents were about two years before they had me. So okay. Right. When they had my brother, they moved into a house that got my, you a double wide. Yeah. A <laughs> 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 nice double wide with the velvet curtains. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. No. But, uh, when people ask me like, if I'm country, I'm like, I would say I'm probably a little more white trash than I was country, you know, like yeah. myself, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I relate to that and I remember, you know, when I was in high school, so I'm dating myself here a little bit, like when Kid Rocks Cowboy came out and I had that tape that I got from Walmart that bleeped out all the good words. <laughs> <laughs> and I had it in my tape player in my eighty seven Buick Skyhawk that I was Hell driving yeah. around that <laughs> was spray paint black 'cause that's how I got it from the guy that sold it to me for seven hundred bucks, you know. And uh no
0: VIN number, where'd it go? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but that kind of like that music, like that same sentiment of like what Kid Rock did with like Cowboy mm-hmm. and like what, you know, at that time I was listening to stuff like Rob Zombie. I had a Rob Zombie tape that I got from Walmart too, you know? Yeah. And I would say like, that's kind of like a mix of what you have um, and are currently doing mixed with like what is happening in country music right now. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a cool mix of like that, that music. I love that rock driven guitar, heavy rock country and like the stuff you're talking about is all the stuff that me and my friends do. And we're out doing right, shit that we right. should not tell people about, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> doing bad things. Yeah. <laughs> Good tunes for bad things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So it's cool to, <clears throat> it's cool to see, you know, and not only that, but I would say like your music, like you've built a brand, right? Like Tim Montana is a brand, you know, yeah. as, as a country music world, you know, there's, a lot of brands that you're partners with, or you know, like we were just talking about cigars, we're both cigar guys, so yep. you know, big sky cigars, which I cannot wait to smoke one of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tim just gave me some of, and uh, you know, like a representation of like Traeger Grills. Like, in terms of when I think about Traeger Grills, I think about Tim Montana. I
0: get that a lot, yeah. You know <laughs> I get I mean, fans you know? that come to shows and they watch the music and they just want to talk about barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just fine with that, fine with that, yeah.
1: <laughs> but I think it's cool that you were an ambassador for all those things that you really like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's who you are as a person. And you found brands that believe in what you do and the music you make. And they do it in a way where they want to be a part of your world. You right. Know? And I think your brand, like just being in here, this place is totally what I, again, like what I would think of when I think of you and your yeah. music. You yeah, know? Like when you. you're listening to, you know, the new EP, which let's, let's touch on that. You know, yeah, of on course. Blocks. Uh, when that dropped again, it's just like, all those songs you're like, this is a song I'll play with my boys when I'm out at the bonfire and we're drinking too much, you mm-hmm. know, maybe doing some other stuff too that we shouldn't be doing. <laughs> Smoking them pills. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking them Advil. Yeah. But man, tell me about, you know, what you've been doing recently musically and like what you're trying to get to. I know a lot of it's like all stuff that you've been co-writing Yeah, and you've been around some with crazy cool folks doing that, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Top of 2020, we signed with uh BBR, meeting yeah. Knox as part of BMG. And I think Knox, <clears throat> God bless the broken road that led me straight to Knox. <laughs> I hate quoting Emerson Drive, but <laughs> that was a joke, people. Okay, everybody calm the fuck down. Um, but yeah, meeting Michael Knox, you know, I think it's kind of good that this happened. I was like, God. I, I wish I would've, it would have happened when I was 21 and 25. No, I don't think so, because it gave me time to go out and, like, figure out who I am and figure out survival skills. Right. And, you know, the whole brand thing wasn't like, oh, I'm going to set out to build a brand. It was like I got reached out to, you know, from one of the Nitro Circus guys about cooking on a Traeger and started cooking on a Traeger, and then they started sending me more Traegers, and then I became an official ambassador, and then Snap-on saw me on their website, and I just – I was like, hey, man, I was like, for so long, I'm like, I'm not going to get a record deal. I'm never going to get on the radio, but I know I can, you know, do some good branding shit from what I accidentally fell into at Traeger Grills. And right. I'm like, and those guys have a million emails and Snap-on has a million emails and those mechanics and barbecue guys, they're going to like my music. I know it. Absolutely. And so I started just pushing that. And the minute I kind of took Music Row and the record label world out of my brain and just went, you know, and just super... Hyper mode of like bought my, you know, first 40 foot Freightliner coach and was yep. just like, and everyone's like, well, was it the manager? I'm like, I didn't really have management. You know, I had managers here and there, but it was like just, you know, being persistent. And then the minute I took that out of my head, here comes Michael Knox and offers me the contract over there. Yeah. And then, uh, him taking me in the studio. And I think it was, is, you know, very fortunate that again, it took that long, but it led me to Knox because yeah. he's the guy that you listen to Aldine, like you're saying arena anthem. Yep that's that motherfucker's world. Like right. he's just like Duff Leopard, blah, just like arena rock. Like, you know, he just wants to, and there's not a lot of that happening on country radio right now. It's kind of, you know, it's starting to drift away. And every now and again, I'm, you know, hope, hopefully we connect on that level. Um, but yeah, so getting with Knox, doing this EP, when I signed with him, I said, here's a bunch of fantastic songs I wrote. And he's a, he'll shoot you straight. He's like, these suck. He's <laughs> like, you're gonna cut other people's songs. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Be so like, we I'll had this moment glaring at each other, <laughs> <laughs> guns, gunslingers. Um, anyway, so then that uh, pissed me off that he didn't like those songs. So I was like, all right, I'm going to write like you wouldn't believe. So, I, you know, and him teamed me up with the right guys, the David Lee Murphys, you know, oh, Michael yeah. Wilshires, the, the Brandon Kinney's, the, you know, Eric Dillon's, um, Frank Rogers, all those. I mean, I'm missing a bunch of them. Sorry if I didn't name drop you guys, you know who you are. I love you. <laughs> um, but getting with those guys and so we went and cut sixteen songs, turned the record in, the label flipped out, and I'm like, sixteen songs on my record, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck with me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Dude, it's uh it's one of those We can things. cuss on here, right? Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, we won't put those parts on the radio. Good, yeah. good. We'll find something where we don't cuss for a minute. No balls. On the radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't like those big fonts. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but man, yeah, I think that's uh, if you're talking about like where country music's going right now, right? Like as you said, like there's stuff that's kind of like that, like what they call boyfriend country, and then there's stuff that's like even more leaning traditional. But that stuff that hit for a long time, like Aldine, right? That really heavy rocking mm-hmm. guitar. I think there's a a piece left for that that isn't being hit on that much right, right now you know and there's there's some great southern rock bands but most of them are in texas you know yeah. right now it's like the cadillac three is kind of doing their own thing which is super funky yeah. and bands like whiskey myers are killing it you know when they of course they can be on the road but mm-hmm. i think those people those folks are the same kind of folks that will go out to a tim montana show once right. that's back to happen you know yeah. And so you can you can see the places where those artists are doing well, you know, yeah. and and kind of like model your tour around that. You yeah, know, in my head. Yep. Yeah. And then also you can go on the road with a, you know, major label act and just rock their faces off as an opener. Do you know yeah. what I mean, I think there's definitely value in that too. That's a good way to get in front of a lot of folks that might not know who you are at that point. Mm-hmm. But sure as hell well after you get off the stage.
0: Put me in coach. Yeah, give exactly. me one shot. Just need one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I think that's uh if you're talking about the music that I like and a lot of what the folks that listen to this podcast, like it's that heavy rock and guitar, mm-hmm. that Southern rock style talking about stuff that's relatable. And right. I think that's what Tim, Tim Montana does mm-hmm. well, which you do well, man.
0: We mostly stone baby. Yeah. <laughs>
1: dude, I remember, dude, I, I don't forget the girl, but I saw a video of, a girl, I think she might've been an ex porn star or something like doing a blip to mostly stone. Yeah. And I was like, yes, that's, Dude, that's my friend Dame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's a, she's a good follow on Instagram. If you don't, know <laughs> <right>. <laughs> well, she gets blocked a lot. So you yeah. got to kind of move around and follow her. her. <laughs> 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 but, uh, man, I like, I, I just think your music at, and you touched on it. It's relatable. Right. right. And I think that's what the best country music is. You know, it's, yeah. it's stuff that, when folks get done at the end of the day and they're either going to sit down and hang out, or if they're going to get out to a bonfire, or hang out with their boys that they're playing at those times. Right? Yeah. And I think that the, your music is the, the tailgate down bonfire with the boys, maybe drinking a few too many beers, kind yeah. of, kind of rock in country that I love. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of the folks that listen to this podcast love too. Yeah.
0: I get a lot of my favorite compliment is people come up all the time. and There'll be at least one at every show. That they're like, I don't like country music. I don't listen to country music, but, and I'm like, Hey, hey, (laughs) me neither.
1: (laughs) Well, and I think there's a big piece of that, man. So many artists, like you talked about, like, you know, playing heavy, like rock music, right? There's so many artists or at least guitar players and band members that come from the metal world or come from the hard rock world, you know? And then as life progresses, some of those country elements creep in, you Mm -hmm. know? So I think that's a big piece. Like if you look, if you are like paying attention to like what Kid Rock did throughout his career, that's kind of how his went, you know, Mm -hmm. it was like that heavy, hard rock and maybe almost a little rappy in his, in his world. And then, you know, kicked in from there to, okay, here's what life's about, man. I'm in, I'm in that part of the world where that's the stuff that's happening now. And that's when, you know, your music obviously was changing to be a part of that. Right. Right. Uh, I know you got some Kid Rock cuts, too, which had to be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was a writer on Tennessee Mountaintop. And then uh, Greatest Show on Earth, which was... Writing with him is fun because I can just speak very candidly. Yeah. (laughs) He just puts it in, and I mean, Greatest Show on Earth. Welcome to the greatest. Love you. you, If you hate us, welcome to the greatest fucking show on Earth. Yeah. uh, You better move, bitch. My fuck tank's on E. I mean, my mom was so proud of those lines. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a blast writing with Bobby. He's become a really close friend of mine. And, uh, yeah, man, we just hit it. and It's just weird. I'm not, you know... It's like, I, I don't know, I don't really listen to country radio, I just yeah. listen to the country I like, you Yeah. Know? and I've never been, even in high school, I was never into what everyone in the populace liked, you know, yeah. like, oh, everyone's into this, that would almost turn me off, like, yeah, 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 you know, it was like, I don't know, so it's weird, I just kind of stick in the Waylon Kid Rock, yeah. Charlie Daniels, you know, there's a few new guys I like, but, uh,
1: yeah. I, I don't think that's uncommon, to be right. honest with you. I think specifically if you let too much of that live in your world, then it creeps into what you're doing. And I think that's one of the cool things about what you are doing is that it's different than that. You know what I mean? So you're of course surrounding yourself by some killer songwriters that write country music too. But when they're writing with you, they understand who you are and they're writing towards that. Yeah. So you get a little bit of that country, you know, maybe the, the lyrics and songwriting that they come in with and then, but you're talking about the stuff that is in your life, you know what I mean? Stuff that is coming from Montana Or, you know, being here for, you know, however long you've been here now. (laughs) Not dating you. you... 14 years. 14 years. Who's counting? Yeah. (laughs) 14
0: years, 26 days, and 32 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) I want to go home.
1: But uh, (laughs) you get that mix of, like, that Nashville and that Montana sky. You know what I mean? And you put that together with that rock and pass that you've had. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's a good – collection of things to make some pretty damn good music
0: yeah and that's one of the things when i write you know if i get in and i love southern guys love southern culture but i'm like yo i'm from the land of snowmobiles we're almost canadian we yeah. don't say y'all yeah right <laughs> i don't know nothing about a slow country winter or summer or whatever you know <laughs> so i'm just like you got to take those words out like yeah. you know it's just like i kind of want to capture that that motocross nut, that snowmobile kid, those elk hunters. There's a whole culture of that kind of Midwest that I sit in where there's not too many guys from that, you know, and we're not even Midwest, Montana's more Northwest. But, you know, I think the Dakotas and all that just kind of encompass a different area. And I think the best example of that was Chris Ledoux, you know, and you just listen to things he said. It was real cowboy talk part, you know, and it was not Southern, but just like bull rider, cowboy riding the prairies. And yeah, so I love how, what he did with, bringing where he came from to the mainstream, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's an important piece, right? Cause that way not everything sounds the same. Yeah. You know? And I think that's an important piece. And I think if you're talking about what you're doing musically, that that's a big piece of it is yeah. it's different and that's what makes it cool. Yeah. You know, like whenever we're looking at artists or, you know, music in general, I'm like, what makes this person cool? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's usually something that they do that not everybody else is doing. Right. right. Or it's like a vocal way that they say things or, sometimes songwriting you know it depends on the artist and on the person but i think that's one of the things that makes your music cool is that you're talking about things that other people aren't necessarily talking about all the time yeah you know and you're doing it in a way with that heavy guitar that so many people enjoy Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) loud amps baby crank it loud it's i mean there's nothing better than seeing that at a live show right if you go to a show and you see the loud amps and someone's melting your face off on guitar and just singing songs that you want to sing back to them there's nothing better than that you know? yeah
0: I got the uh not to name drop but I'm going to I'm good at it I uh, it was like the day or two after Thanksgiving I wake up to a call or a voice message that came in at like 6:50 in the morning and it was unknown and I'm like who's this like hit play and my wife and kids are in bed next to me and it's like hey Tim Montana this is Ted fucking Nugent calling you from the land of <laughs> but just goes off of bald eagle soaring and I'm like Wow, and he goes, I turned on the outdoor channel this morning, and I saw you playing a guitar and singing a song about a hat like a halo in Copenhagen, and I don't know why anyone would ride a bull, why anyone would chew Copenhagen, I don't get the cowboy lifestyle, but goddamn it, and I don't like country music, but if you're gonna, if they're gonna start delivering it like you did on my TV, man, I think I'm in, and I was like, <laughs> wow, I just got up like, Make me some eggs, woman. (laughs) Ted Nugent just called called and complimented (laughs) me. (laughs) You're so lucky to be here. (laughs) That was pretty cool getting a call. I I definitely saved that voice message. I'll play it for you when we get off here.
1: (laughs) Well, man, and I think that's a a part of it, right? So it's affirmation of doing what you're doing is, A, you see it with streams, right? A, you see it with social media, right? right? But when someone that you look up to... That is a legend and what they do is telling you that you're doing the right stuff right that's a testament to it man yeah you know and i think i from, love
0: impressing my rock and roll friends i get yeah. about impressing <laughs> a country star what the rock stars call me like that's cool i'm like hell yeah <laughs> check
1: this <just> right yeah <laughs> how did you uh meet billy gibbons back in the day
0: man 2013 i had a chorus uh me and marshall altman the producer we're riding together, and I had this hook. This beard came here to party. Went over to Marshall's. We just got a chorus, and I met a lady at a getting a beard trim that was like, hey, you look like ZZ Top. And I was like, oh, I've never heard that before. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I know a guy that knows Billy Gibbons. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, you know, I've heard that before as well. Yeah. Hey, I know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. I'm like, no way. <laughs> anyway, so I had this song just sitting around just – Happened to have it. And so I emailed it to her and she goes, I'm gonna send it. And so she sent it off and somehow it got to him. Oddly enough, this is, again, 2013, before I knew Billy, before I knew Kid, before I knew any of those right. guys. He was on tour with Kid Rock and was in DC. And I'm like, how did I miss that? Kid Rock and ZZ Top, like that yeah. would've been amazing. So anyway, he got it he was routing down in Chattanooga, called uh, the gal who ended up becoming my manager, Paula and said uh hey i'm gonna roll i like this song we're rolling the studio if i like this kid i'll hang out and write. if not he had some code where he was gonna get out of there so here he comes and he just walks in the studio beard glasses i'm just like jaw dropped (laughs) holy shit i literally shot my first elk listening to sharp dressed man when i was like 13 (laughs) years old it was blasting in the truck everyone (laughs) smoking cigars and i you know Statue of limitations. I may have been shooting within 20 feet of a row, but I was 13. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Private land. Wink, wink. Um, (laughs) anywho. So we sat down, write the song. He goes to lunch, comes back and, you know, and I can't, I, especially at that time, I didn't have money to have a studio booked. It was all chance that those days lined up. Like I'd saved money for a year to book that studio for one day and cut that many songs in one day, a whole record. And, uh, happened to be the same day he was here. Then he went to lunch and he came back and I got a camera guy to come in where we filmed this B roll video of us recording it. And then Billy sang on it and Billy left. And I'm like, probably never see him again, but you know what? Unfucking believable. Yeah. I can die a happy man. I just met like, that's one of my top heroes in my whole life. Right. Reason I have a beard. <laughs> and, um, so then I was like, cool. I just kind of settled with, I'll never see him again. That was amazing. I have a song. Awesome. And he went and met somebody that was looking for a song for the boston red sox and billy's like gave him a cd from his pocket a mixtape you know their their mix of the demo and dude played it for the red sox red sox licensed it in like 24 hours next thing i know it's playing at fenway park next thing i know i have plane tickets booked to fenway park where i was going to play i think it was game seven if they went to a game seven i was going to play with zz top Talk about fucking anxiety. (laughs) I was like way out of my league, and this developed in days. I'm not exaggerating. It was so fast. And then they're like, hey, we need you to sing the national anthem, too, for the World Series. And, you know, I I don't want to sound unpatriotic, but I did not know every word of the national (laughs) anthem. And I printed out those lyrics, and I was watching that baseball game, and I knew that if the Sox lost, it was going to go to game seven. I was so conflicted. I'm like – Okay, if they lose or if they win, it's over, but if they lose it goes to game seven and I get to play, but then my odds of fucking up the national anthem at the World Series are very high right now. <laughs> so anyway, so they ended up winning game six, clinching it. We didn't play, but I got to go the next season. I'll tell you what, I sang the shit out of the national anthem. And I'll never that. I'll never forget that son of a bitch ever again. <laughs> that was terrifying. But yeah, so that's how we met, and then after that I ended up we've done like twenty seven or 28 opening slots for ZZ Top across yeah. the country, and Billy's just become one of my closest buddies, business partners, you know. The dad I never had type deal, you know. He's, he's yeah. a good dude.
1: Yeah, man. It's a, it's cool to see uh, people like that that, you know, you look at as someone that's like an icon and a legend and gets to become your friend. You oh, know? yeah. I think that's a testament to who you are as a person. You yeah. know what I mean? That someone like that that is at that high of their level of their game, you know, sees yeah. what you're doing and sees the shine on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty special, man. I never,
0: you know, even if he's calling late at night, I'll be like, Oh man, I'm tired. And then I'm like, you know, what would Tim seven years ago have said? <laughs> if he said I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Hey Billy, how you doing? <laughs> hey, You're you on the West coast. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, is
1: he here or is he, he's
0: California, Las Vegas, Texas. And, uh, he'll be here tomorrow. we got a week of hot sauce business meetings nice. and then we're going to do a photo shoot in
1: here and a content shoot. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Where uh where is the hot sauce sold? Is it only online, or is there- it's
0: online at Whiskerbomb.com? And then it uh we teed all this up kind of through my wife. She's in the candy business, so okay. she knows brokers and salespeople, and she you know puts a lot of candy on store shelves nationwide. Heck yeah, she's a badass. Goes to D.C. I got to speak about her for a minute. She goes to D.C. She's on all these women's boards for leadership and. You know, people meet her and they're like, wow. I'm like, what did you expect? I had some like redneck wife. He <laughs> was like, hey, get on in there get that ass whooped. <laughs> I'm like, oh, she's smart. I mean, I don't know about the marrying me part, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. So we've got a really cool relationship. She travels all the time. But then, you know, when Billy and I came up with the hot sauce, I'm like, Danielle, you make some phone calls. And she was able to tee it up and got us an HEB, which is a massive grocery chain okay. in Texas. So we're yeah. in 220 HEBs across Texas. Awesome. And we move a lot of volume through there. Now we're going to start expanding this year. So Billy and I are getting our briefcases this week, and we're doing all these business trips to Kansas City, to Denver, and uh, we're going to expand into salsa, uh, barbecue sauce, spicy mayonnaise. Um, we're going to do a whole line where we can take these to, like, major grocery. And, that's like, freaking do a awesome. big, You know, hopefully get Publix, Kroger, Walmart, <clears throat> Dollar General, yeah. all that stuff. So uh, that's our little side thing that I think quickly is going to become – a really neat thing. So,
1: well, absolutely. And, and we're
0: passionate about cooking both of us. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's, that's totally on brand with who you are as a person and like what you do in your personal life, you know? Yeah. And I think just having his music and your music behind it would do nothing but help. You know, right, right. I don't think there's too many folks out there that don't like ZZ top or hopefully what you're doing as well. You Right. Know? So I, I just see great. Michael Knox
0: calling like, Hey man, we need you to do this interview. Dude, I have a spicy relish meeting at yeah. noon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's a good problem to have. Yeah. Right, right. But I think it all it all ties itself together, again, with the brand thing. Like, if you're walking across a grocery store in Texas and you see Billy Gibbons, you're like, who's the other beard? And you try the hot sauce, and you're like, ah, and then you listen to music, and then you're like, wait a minute. Like, this all ties into one thing. You know, yep. that's, you know, the thing I always am like, don't ever get lost in all that other stuff, because it needs to come back to the music. That is first and foremost. Yeah. But different unique ways of bringing people into the music yeah and then you know i'm not a giant margaritaville dude you know i don't sit around listening to jimmy buffett all the time i love jimmy buffett music at the right Right. times right but his business model of what he did is just like impressive and i feel like so many artists forget that they have a name and they could do other things and or they just kind of half-assed do it like oh cool i'll put my name on this but i'm just gonna do a one video and it's like yeah you can build real brands man like Paul Newman, Jimmy Buffett. I mean, Toby Keith's another example of yep. some of his hat stuff and his bars. And, you know, there's a lot to be done out there that not only makes people listen to your music, but it just is, you know, I don't want my kids growing up in a trailer house in the woods. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. You want I them, did it for them. You want them to have electric all the time. Right. <laughs> I want them to
0: be a bunch of spoiled jackasses. Just kidding. We, yeah. we beat the living hell out of them. They'll never be like that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: No, but I mean, it's uh, it's good to see that, right? And I think that's the entrepreneur mindset, right? And if you're thinking about what an artist is, specifically growing up in that independent market first, right? Right. You are an entrepreneur. You're in the business of Tim Montana. Right. You know? So the fact that you've seen that you can do this one thing very well, which is make great music that people like, right? And that people listen to. But you can do that in a way where you can bring more people to that from the outside and hopefully mm-hmm. make some money doing that, I think is important. Yep. Um, I mean, again, like brands like pit Viper that, you know, you've partnered (laughs) with, you know, again, like when I see someone wearing pit Viper, I think of Tim Montana, you know what I mean? And that's, that's just me as an outsider looking in, you know? So I think, I think what you do well is marketing and whether you knew it when you started doing it or not, you know what I mean? Right. Or if it was just who you are as a person, your personality helps you do that, you know? So I think it's great to see. And I think that's, you know, if someone's listening to this and they're an artist, you know, that's a, a bit of information they can get from you is mm-hmm. what what do I do well that can help someone else do something well, you know, or how can I expand what I do well into more things, you know, not saying in necessarily the same markets as you, but what are they into, you yeah. know, maybe someone's a dirt track rider and they're not talking about that on their songs, but if you do, that could be, right. that could be a big piece of it. Well, I had
0: a, a label call yesterday one of the heads of the label made kind of the same point you're making. He's like, man, I could go out and find in Nashville I could find two thousand artists that are amazing singers, could blow people's mind And they probably have amazing songs. I want people that have brands. And yeah. he's like what you've done in that space. And again, I never set out to do that. I wasn't like, This is how I'm gonna figure this out. I was like, this is how I'm gonna survive and this I right. was like, I'll be goddamned if I'm gonna go back to Montana, you know, nothing against going to work in the mine, but I was just like, I want to play guitar. I want to play music. I'm not going back there until I'm building a cabin on the big old river, you know? Right. And so I was like, how am I going to do this? Cause I got, it was like two years ago, I got dropped by my agency and I'm, you know, I was a hustling son of a bitch. I, I would drive all the dates. I'd not sleep. And I just, you know, they couldn't break me. I'm just like, I will go anywhere. I don't care what the routing looks like. I'll make it work. There's enough energy drinks out there. <laughs> and so when they dropped me, it was just like, Shocking! I was just like so insulted and pissed off and I wanted to burn their building down. And I'm just kidding. I'm just totally kidding. Retraction redaction yeah. <laughs> I wanted to throw rotten eggs at their building yeah, yeah, and tell yeah. them that they were stupid buffoon heads. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I went through this thing of like, is this it? And I was like, I came out of that and was like, fuck that. This is not it. Like watch this. And so I just went into this ultra mode and, and that was when I had the idea of like, I've got this music video called Mostly Stone and Charlie Sheen's going to direct it. (laughs) And there was a point where I'm pretty sure a lot of those people thought I was making that up. And that was before the hot sauce with Gibbons was done too. And I'm like, and I got this hot sauce with Billy. Here's my plan. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it, but I'm going to figure it out. And they're all just like, Oh, okay, cool. And I think a lot of people just didn't believe me. So when I got dropped, that put a fire under my ass. And actually it's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. Yeah. Cause I depended too much on that. I was like, I'm with so and so. I'm set. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. No. Like and I not that it made me slow down my work, but I think I just had this sense of I was okay because I had these guys over here, you know, doing that, you know. So that happening, them going away just put me into ultra you know, rocket mode. And so I went out and I was like, even found like a prosthetic leg company to help kick in money. So, you know, to sponsor part of the mostly stone video, cause it was like 175, $80,000 budget I had to raise. Yeah. And it was all sponsorship right? money that I had to come up with. So then I got one of my vet buddies and I explained to him like, Hey man, you know, there's a prosthetic leg company, this and that. If you could, you know, blah, blah, this and that dude disappeared last minute. So then I still flew my war vet buddy up, still put him in the video. He's in the scene with Rob uh, at the end. And uh, and then another sponsor fell off. Then I got another company to come on. Mountain Primal Meats came in last minute and cut me a check to save the whole freaking project. Everyone's (laughs) like, you got a meat company and pay for a music video? I'm like, yeah, they got a huge logo in it. The owner of the company got to play a police officer in it and that check didn't show up till like a couple nights before Charlie Sheen flew in and he kept t- calling and he's like, Hey, everything's good, right? Everything's good. And I'm like, everything's great. And <laughs> hang up and just like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Just laying, having an anxiety attack at uh. night? Like, Oh, it's only 50 grand. What's 50 grand, 50 grand, 50 grand. <laughs> so dude, that was some scary shit, but I yeah. just, we pulled it off and you know, that that ended up happening. And then that's when, you know, like I said, to go back to getting dropped by the agency, went into freak out mode, then went into hyper work mode and somehow pulled that shit off and got out of the, you know, dust. And then Knox and BBR came. And it's like, I'm still not, I still learned a lot from that agency. Mode. I'm like, I'm not slowing down. Like, right. I'm never going to have that sense of, oh, I have a record deal. Everything's fine. No, I mean, that's great. You have a team, but they're only going to work as hard as you motherfuckers. So get to work, you know, exactly. Like don't sit on your ass. You need to go out and hustle and shake shit up. And, um, so yeah. And the mostly stone video ended up going, what, 3 million views (laughs) and no paid ads on that. I think we put hundred bucks, $200 in paid ads. It just tracked on its own. And then, you know, killed it on Spotify and still like, one of my top tracking videos on YouTube and that kind of made all the other videos start getting viewed and hillbilly rich got up there. And then one day I went from like had 10,000 views on videos. to like, wow, like all my shit's sitting at or above a million, not that we're counting, but we're fucking counting. Counting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's, uh, I mean, everybody questions, you know, everyone in all aspects of their life question, am I doing the right stuff is what I'm doing enough. Right. And I think that like what you're saying is when it, comes down to it, when it comes to brass tax, you double down instead yeah. of taking yourself out of it. Oh yeah. And that's what worked. And that's why a company like BBR got on board with you because they see it rolling downhill. You know, the fire's already there. They're just right. pouring gas on it. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's what record labels want. They want something that's already working. They just want to help it work better and get right. it to more people. You mm-hmm. know? And that's easy to do when you have a product that people are already consuming. right, Right? which is what you had, you know, you had videos that were doing well, content that was doing great on social media, right, your numbers were big on that stuff already, Yeah. right, you had songs that were, as you said, like, that put all your other songs blipping up on other, on people's radar, you know, which helps with all those crazy algorithms or whatever that I know nothing about, you know, (laughs) algorithms, metrics, yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but, I mean, I think that's, that's one of the key points, right, like, if you're someone that's paying attention to what you're doing, you could have stopped right there you know you could have taken a break but you didn't put the pedal to the fucking floor yeah you pushed it to the wall and you drove as fast as you can even when you didn't have that much gas left yeah you know and i think that's an important dark times
0: man i remember that feeling sitting in this garage and being like maybe i'll drink myself to death (laughs) maybe i'll (laughs) go work in a mine
1: well i mean i think i think knowing you 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 know you would never have to do that right like if (laughs) even if you weren't doing country music you'd do something that you're successful at right yeah i think that's one of the things that you see with successful people is you know that they're going to be successful in what they're doing you can see it you can see it in who someone is you know you can see it in the drive and the want and the willpower to do so right yeah like you said doing routings you never should have done right driving way further than you should have yeah a lot of folks won't do that Right. right. It's a lot of folks won't get up and write a song after they had a, a long night out. You know what I mean? that's, yeah. that's part of what makes someone go from being good to great. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, I had a, I won't say any names. I had another major label that was circling me for a while, probably three years ago. And the guy came over and he's like looking at the brands and he's talking to me about how do you have, you know, my Sprinter look like a damn NASCAR at yeah. the time. And they're just, <laughs> just like, man, that is crazy. And I just brought him into my world and was playing him the songs. And he's like, Man, these songs are good. Would you consider taking a job in our marketing department? <laughs> and I was like, kind of pause, like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Didn't know how to respond. I was like, uh, it's kind of like a backhanded <laughs> compliment. Like the music's kind of okay, but you know what you're really good at?
1: And I was like, okay, pal. <laughs> yeah, You're like, see me in 35 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, man, it's a, uh... It's cool to hear about that. Let's talk about the new single, the most recent one that you dropped, which is "Be a Cowboy." Yeah, so that's the most recent drop, and uh, you know, talk about who you wrote that with and all that.
0: Yeah, I wrote that with David Lee Murphy and Michael Wilshire, and the Michael Wilshire story is pretty cool because he walked. He lives three houses, four houses okay. up the street and like walks his dogs by all the time and would see, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the spectacle of the neighborhood. Cause it looks like I have a car lot out front yeah. and all these, you see old people or I don't want to say yuppies, but there's a lot of yuppies around here. Yeah. And, and uh, they're like, Oh, look at the redneck guy with his beard. Does he have a car lot? Oh, is that a fire in his yard? Oh my God. He's got an archery stand set up <laughs> and it's allowed, you know, and we got a lot of kids running run around and sometimes they wear shoes every once and again and pants <laughs> But, uh anyway, so Mike would walk by all the time and somehow got connected with him on a right, and I pulled up the g p s and said it was like point one mile or something <laughs> stupid. I'm like, no way, so I walked, and then he ended up like working on the record um. <clears throat> He's doing some stuff with Knox production wise. Just got in the whole camp. It was really cool to see, like, just a dude up the street. Yeah. And I was like, no way. Like, we can have our own camp now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little Creve Hall camp. Yeah. <laughs> and then David Lee Murphy would come over and meet him and, you know, and just he'd kill it in the tracks and songwriting. So we started a really cool little accidental neighborhood camp over here. But um, yeah. so yeah, wrote that song. And it wasn't supposed to come out, it was supposed to be an album cut. Okay. Um, from everything I know and then with my work with the PBR pro bull riding, uh, last year we played the finals and I got to meet the CEO and, you know, hang out with those guys and, uh, and go to the after party with them. And we kept talking about a song and a song and a song and, uh, through a friend in town, they put out something that, Hey, CBS needs a theme song for pro bull riding this year. And I sent it off. Um, maybe I wasn't supposed to send it off <laughs> 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 to that, to that friend. And everyone's like, you're not supposed to send those off. And then CBS came back and they're like, this is the most perfect song for rodeo. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. yeah and they yeah. licensed yeah. it. And now for like, from now till October, my buddy's like, dude, I was watching the playoffs the other night on CBS and I hear your dumb ass on television. <laughs> I was like, "That's right, motherfucker!" <laughs> <laughs> so they licensed it yeah. uh, for the whole season. So and hopefully, when things open up, we can go out and play. But it was pretty cool to to see that happen. And you know, I love rodeo. I've never ridden a bull and you know everyone's like, man, you grew up like quite a cowboy. And I'm like, nah, I'm like, I wore a cowboy hat and can run barbed wire and shoot an elk. But I know guys that ride bulls and horses and do crazy shit. And I just don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I can ride a horse with, you know, the best of them. Not the best of them. Let me yeah. take that back. Retraction. <laughs> I can ride a horse pretty okay. I did it in a Western. <laughs>
1: but yeah, man, it's uh like I said, I think that's that whole world of, of what you are and who your music speaks to. Yeah. And I think that's a testament to what you've built in your time here in Nashville and even before that. Right. You know? Um, from your rocking roots and your Montana roots all the way here to Nashville and just doing redneck shit here. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's when people think about Tim Montana, that's what they think about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's on a watch list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably can't ride on airplanes. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> but yeah, man. I know we talked about big sky uh cigars. Um yeah. So the cigars you made with them called Vigilante?
0: Yeah, they're the Vigilante, and uh, I'm very infatuated with Western culture, especially Montana history and have some dear friends of mine that are like family that are Montana historians. So the whole vigilante thing was the first form of law enforcement in Montana. Okay. Cause the first cops up there, if you go back to Henry Plummer was also the leader of the gang at night that was killing all the miners, stealing their gold and the police force is bad. Yeah. So the people came together and said enough is enough and went and killed them. Yeah. And so now you had the Montana vigilance committee. So I just love that story. And to this day, Anytime the vigilantes would show up, they'd carve three 777 above a door. And that meant you had 24 hours to leave or they're going to kill you. And to this day, it's still debated what that means. Is that, you know, is that a, a Masonic thing? Is that a, some weird dimensions of a grave and people, is it, you know, a time that a, uh, you know, that a stagecoach would drive to Butte from hell. And I, I've heard a lot of arguments, but the crazy thing is to this day, highway patrolman if you get pulled over in the state of montana their car and their badge says 3777 that's awesome and every cop will tell you a different story as to what it means because no one knows for sure <clears throat> so that whole thing infatuated me when i was a kid and i've actually written songs about it so when it came out with a montana cigar company i was like i want it to be the vigilante yeah. and uh you know vigilance committee vigilante justice all that love it and so these guys are really cool guys they're engineers out of billings i hear that same hustle and i've met them smoke cigars with them broke bread with them they have that same hustle i do and i'm trying to blow it up with them and we've got it in the moose in nashville and i went in there yesterday and there's a whole massive box that sold out in the last couple weeks And i'm like i like that and we sold a ton online this year and uh we're discovering this un- subculture of guys that wear pit vipers and have red beards that smoke vigilante cigars. <laughs> like, we get tagged in these photos. We're like, dude, they, these guys look like you. And I'm like, yeah. We call that a cult, but yeah, yeah. yeah. We got this Montana shredneck cult. cult. Yeah. But yeah, so the cigars are doing really good. And, and uh, Montana used to be per capita one of the biggest consumers of tobacco in the United States at the turn of the century. Cause okay. you had the mines, you had the railroads, you right. had, you know, all the cowboys out there in Calvary and, and they used to have tobacco factories tobacco factories there and uh of course all of that shut down and now we're one of the least populated states. But those guys want to bring it back and I like, you know, their admiration for that and tobacco and history and just good dudes, so
1: Yeah, that's great, man. I think it's cool. Um, you know, merging of your world stuff. You like cigars, right? Like yeah. barbecue and you put all of that and it all equals out to be Tim Montana. Yeah. So I think that's a,
0: everything I, I do. And like, you can do well cooking. Yeah. <laughs> listen to music, smoke cigar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wear pit vipers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, uh, like I said, I I actually have a cigar podcast that I'm starting with another buddy. Who Him and I both host Separate Rounds in Town. I'd love to have you on there as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We can talk more about the Big Sky Cigars and maybe smoke a few, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, dude, thanks so much for for being on the podcast with me. You bet. And uh, thanks so much for giving our listeners a little bit of your story. What a great story it is, man. Yeah, thank
0: you. Appreciate you for having me.
1: Yeah. And uh, tell everyone where they can follow you if they don't already. If they don't, they're missing out. Yeah,
0: uh, just at Tim Montana on most platforms. Um, I actually f- was Tim Montana something else for a long time, and I found the at Tim Montana, and I said, dude, I really want that handle. And he's like, well, what's it worth yet? I'm like, how about a bunch of shirts that say your name, Tim Montana? And he's like deal. Here's the address. I won't release the name until you send the shirts. <laughs> and he didn't notify me that he released the name. He just received the shirts and changed his name. And I'm like, so that was open for like a week before I like <laughs> just went and checked. So anyway, long story short, it's at Tim Montana and there's <laughs> another Tim Montana that has some really cool shirts. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And thanks. Like I said, Tim, for having me over this redneck paradise here. Yeah. <laughs> Wish you could stay longer. We could do some drugs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll just do the CBD drink stuff. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Brought to you by Killcliff. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe to the podcast, and rate us on iTunes. I'm Nikki T, and we'll see you in the front row. A sneak,
0: all the good old days, You don't have to explain it. It's just the way you are.